0: Come on in, guys, because it's time for another episode of Outwatch, a Survivor Rewatch podcast. If you're listening to this episode, that's because either you survived our Kid Nation miniseries or you skipped it altogether and have skipped forward to what is now the fourth full real season of Outwatch in which we are starting season 33 of Survivor, Survivor Millennials. Versus Gen X. I am Alex, your host and guide through our OutWatch journey, and I'm joined by three of my friends who are relative newcomers to Survivor mm-hmm. fandom. If you know, I don't know if they would go so far as to say that they're fans of the show, but they've watched at least three seasons now.
1: Yeah, we are now. There's no going back. I was say, at what
2: point
0: are we no longer newcomers to the show? <laughs> You're uh, inexperienced, maybe okay. not a newcomer, <laughs> but you haven't taken in the whole story of Survivor. Sure. Uh, the point of this sh- this podcast is we rewatch, recap and react to Legacy Seasons of Survivor one episode at a time, getting the nuanced and totally uh, wonderful takes from myself, uh, who, you know, has seen all these shows, loves the show dearly. And these three friends who are taking them in for uh, the first time. So. You've caught us right here at the beginning of season four of Outwatch, like I said, in which we will be dissecting season 33 of Survivor Millennials versus Gen X. By my ranking, the second best season of the 30s, I'd put it around 10 or so all time. I really like this season. So before we jump in and recap this first episode, uh, why don't you meet my co-hosts? Um. And we like to start the show by asking a question that all of our viewers or all of our our co-hosts will answer so that you get to know them a little bit better. And uh, as we are all millennials here, right, we were all born in the time that categorizes us as millennials. And as a result, we are represented here heavily on this season. Um, I figured I would ask. All of my co-hosts, what the most millennial thing about them is. Um, and so, hey, Scott, since you are the defending champion of fantasy Outwatch, why don't Hello. you go first? Welcome to the show, Woo. Scott.
3: <laughs> Scott, uh what welcome? <laughs> Hi, so I was having I'm having slight technical difficulties. Well, that's not very but millennial of you. It <laughs> makes me feel real Gen X, don't it? I don't know how this internet works. Scott, what is the most millennial I, I'm thing happy about to be you? Here. <laughs> the most millennial thing I've ever done.
0: Yeah, the, just your most millennial characteristic, or the most millennial thing that you've ever um, done.
3: I spend copious amounts of money, and by that I mean I don't spend like that much, but I do enjoy going out and getting iced coffee.
0: Mm. <laughs> mm. Wow. I had a different answer, so. but that's probably the more correct answer for me too.
2: That's a good one. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh what was who, your answer? I haven't answered yet, but I, I I'll go ahead and answer now. Okay. Hi hi listeners. I'm Alex. Um I did like homebrewing once. <laughs> I like bought stuff to homebrew. And I did one batch and it was like, okay, but it was like a lot of work and it took a long time and took up a lot of spots in my fridge. And so I haven't done it since, (laughs) but I still have the stuff. I think that's a great, you know, like it's homebrewing is a millennial thing. And also to try something once and be like, "Ah, I'm not an expert at this immediately and then not do it again is also kind of a millennial thing. So, you know, the combination of the two. Uh, Adam, were you our runner-up last season?
2: Uh, yeah, I was. It cool. was it was it came down to the vote, I think, between me and Scott. And, That's right. Yeah, just
1: chop liver.
2: Matthew, uh, Matthew
3: did not do so well in the final. He didn't <laughs> didn't do too hot. Yes, Jenna. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be trapping me, <laughs> uh, Adam. What's the most millennial thing about you?
2: uh alex i don't know where to start um <laughs> i own a coffee roaster uh-huh. i'm pretty sure that's up there uh immediately after college i moved to china to teach english yep. uh i uh i i homebrew actively <laughs> just finished a batch of a pretty good uh ipa if i don't I do say so myself nice uh i don't know what else what else um... is there emily <laughs>
1: Gosh, I don't know. You watch Netflix all the time. I
2: do watch a lot of Netflix. Uh, Amazon Prime. Let me tell you all, Hunters on Amazon Prime. I don't know if you've seen it. Great show. Highly recommend.
0: Uh, Stay tuned for a spinoff pod out Hunter.
2: Actually, (laughs) if we're going to do a spinoff pod, I prefer to do She-Ra, Princesses and the Princesses of Power on Netflix. Oh, man, what a good show.
0: (laughs) I've never heard of any of these shows. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Highly recommend. <laughs> uh Emily, welcome to OutWatch.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: Hey Emily, what's the most millennial thing about you?
1: Um it's interesting because I'm often described as having an old soul.
0: Mm.
4: A gen so X soul.
1: I'm kind of complex in that way. <laughs> in which I didn't ever use the Starbucks or Target apps because I didn't know how. Mm. Um, but at the same time, uh, recently, before the time of COVID, my coworkers looked over and were making fun of me because I was listening to jazz rap on Spotify. So
2: nice. That's... We all love Kendrick. I don't know what's so no, it, special. No <laughs> words.
1: No words. <laughs> just beats.
2: <laughs> you also knit. That's a pretty millennial thing. Now. Is it? Or is yeah, it no, an it is. old
1: soul thing? No,
2: no, no, It's a millennial thing.
1: Now it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was doing this back before it was cool.
2: You were doing it as
3: a millennial. That's such a millennial thing to say, though. Exactly, <laughs>
2: hipster. We got a hipster over hipster. here. Ooh, <laughs> I was doing it before it was cool. No, Original millennial I hipster. Ground, I mean, oh. yeah, that's a very millennial thing, actually. Yeah, we we looked to old. Like, not not like the next generation of, but the generation before them. I just had to skip like, over
1: those Gen Xers. Yeah,
2: yeah, screw Gen Xers. <laughs> we're all about the boomers. That's why we say, okay, boomer. Yeah, we love those boomers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I've gone on a self reflective journey here. <laughs> oh, no, that's
0: great. Uh, so now that you know that we're all bona fide millennials, um, it's time to break down this season. But before we do that, a quick. Bit of business um, before we jump right in. Um, a new feature to OutWatch is listener support, folks. You now have the opportunity to directly invest in this program if you so desire. Um, OutWatch is of course something that we love to make. We love to put the time and energy into it, but it it does cost us a little bit of coin, um, and it and it does cost us some time, which is all well spent. Um, but this is all coming out of our own pockets, and so. Um, if, if you feel so inclined, if you like what we're doing, you can, um, choose to give monthly to outwatch and that money will be reinvested into the show to help ensure that you get more of that good, good survivor content that you crave. Um, the link to do so is going to be in the show notes. Um, and you can, yeah, if you do that, we would be super grateful, um, Most most of your money is going
2: to go to us being able to keep our CBS All Access subscription. That's a big
0: expense for this show.
2: That's the CBS All Access.
0: It may even allow us to upgrade to the commercial-free versions, which I don't know about you guys. I I, I don't know.
2: I really love seeing all about how I can get a colonoscopy mailed to my door. (laughs) It's
1: always
0: that commercial. That's
1: all it it is.
0: (laughs) It's the walking talking box. I, I, I love, love Volterra, <laughs> and, and it's always like, um, Cologuard is for individuals with a moderate colon cancer risk. Not a, not a high one. It's like, <laughs> yeah. if you've got a high risk, go get a real colonoscopy, I guess.
2: I love that. No, it like specifically like, this is not a replacement for a colonoscopy, this is just going to tell you, yeah, you should go get one. Right. right. Which,
0: maybe you don't need a box. anyway. Uh Colegaard, not an ad, but if you want to sponsor the show, um we're already deeply familiar with your product. We'll,
2: yeah. s- we'll stop making fun of your product. <laughs> we're true millennials. We'll do anything for a buck, man. True.
0: <laughs> true. <laughs> okay, so this episode is on episode one of Millennials versus Gen X. This is um a classic Survivor 90 minute premiere. I don't know if you guys caught that. It's a little longer than usual. Um and so oh, I noticed. The way that we like to start um, the the episode is by going beat by beat through the major story points of this episode by taking a walk down to Tremail So why don't you why don't you join us? Take a walk with us. We enter season 33 Millennials versus Gen X in Fiji. By the way, this is when Survivor lays down their roots in Fiji. They've been in Fiji for every season since um, as of The time of the recording of this podcast. Who knows if COVID makes season 41 in a weird place? But seasons 33 through 40 are all in Fiji. At the marooning, we see that the tribes are broken up by age. We've got the millennials on one side and the Gen Xers on the other, and they've got to gather supplies um, at the marooning. But as that's happening, Jessica of the Gen X tribe grabs an envelope, which it turns out to be a legacy advantage. This activates on day 36 and it's willed to another player if the holder is voted out. At the Millennial Tribe, things seem to be all happy-go-lucky, but Zeke is less fired up than the rest of the Millennials. He fashions himself a bit of an old, old soul, much like our co-host Emily. And on the other hand, on the Gen X Tribe, Ken takes the positive leader role, really trying to spur people on. Back then, at... The millennial tribe, Taylor, Figgy and Jay form the basis of what will become the Triforce Alliance and bring Michelle in as well. But on the Gen X tribe, David's having a hard time connecting with Brett and Chris and Rachel starts to rub people the wrong way with her apparent bossiness. Nightfall comes and the millennial shelter isn't finished. They both have a terrible night, but the next morning, both tribes receive A generous gift of a tarp from Jeff himself, but not much long after Jeff then himself also shows up at each of these camps and evacuates both tribes because of an incoming cyclone. This is wild and we'll talk about it a lot, but they are evacuated. They're sent to base camp for a day for the cyclone to blow over and they come back the next day to find their shelters pretty blasted as a result. At the Gen X tribe, David sees himself as a likely target and is really struggling, starts looking for an idol. And Zeke on the Gen X tribe takes charge of building the camp and making fire despite his uh, self-proclaimed lack of survival skills. Hannah and Mari get together and start to build an anti-Triforce counter-alliance right before we get to the immunity challenge, which is an obstacle course and puzzle where tribes can take shortcuts in exchange for extra puzzle pieces. The Gen Xers take both shortcuts, the Millennials take only one, and the Millennials, despite being behind at the beginning, catch up on the puzzle, win immunity and reward in the form of Flint. At the Gen X tribe, after the challenge, Rachel and David seem to get the, the brunt of the blame, as they did a bad job on the puzzle and David's idle suspicion brings even more heat on him. Rachel, Cece, and Ken find themselves on the outs as well. The other six start to gain control. At uh, Tribal Council, David feels especially nervous. Uh, Jeff asks him a question, and he quickly responds with, Oh, crap. He's not happy about it. But despite David's anxiety and paranoia, uh, he survives the vote, and Rachel is voted out. By a vote of five to three to one to one, making Rachel the first boot of Survivor Millennials versus Gen X. That was a lot because it was a 90 minute episode. But there's the main things that happened this episode. Uh, Guys, I love to ask the same question at the beginning of every episode of Outwatch. What really jumped out to you in this episode? What was your favorite part? of this pilot premiere episode of survivor millennials versus X.
1: um Adam and i had a lot of discussions around when they were evacuated for yes. the cyclone and we never got to see where they went and i think adam was like well where did they go and i was like i don't think they're going to show that because that will give away the mystery
0: yeah it's interesting i like looked some stuff up about this because it is like this is the only time in survivor where something like this happens right we're like the weather is so severe that they have to like pull them from the game. Um, but they go to like base camp, which is where you know the producers and the crew and everyone lives. Um, when they're producing the show, so they go there like overnight, they're like uh isolated, you know, by themselves, and they stay the night at base camp. Uh, only the second time ever in which a player active players in the game have gone to base camp. The only other time was when the very first season, one of the like final reward challenges, the winner gets to go to base camp and have a beer with Jeff Probst while watching the first five minutes of the season. Oh, weird. (laughs) (laughs) It is super weird. That is wild. Mm -hmm.
2: So wait, do they, are they like given beds to sleep in or like what's, like, do we know the deal of what happened? I or? assume
0: so. I, it says into they were sequestered into two separate tents. So they probably, um, yeah, just got a tent.
5: Oh, okay. Hmm.
0: For nine hours, it says. Yeah, wild. There's like a lot of um, implications of this, um, like structurally, both in and out of game. One of them being that the... Um, the cast didn't get, like, real cast photos. Um, They were just, like, photos taken of them while they were playing the game because this, like, uh, messed up, like, the pregame cycle, too, so they couldn't get, like, their media, you know, like, press photos. Hmm. Another one being that um, this first Tribal Council took place on day four instead of the scheduled day three.
4: Hmm.
0: This is the first time ever that the first tribal council didn't occur on day three.
5: We saw it. history. We watched it live.
0: Yeah, I remember like watching this live and, and um, when, you know, Jeff shows up and is like, OK, we're pulling you guys being like blown away. It's Like, this is crazy. This has never happened. Like, and then you see the especially the Gen X tribe, which gets evacuated second when they're like walking on the beach
4: to the boat yeah. and
0: it's like pelting them like it looks dangerous right it's yeah. like
5: holy crap oh crap. <laughs> hmm. oh crap
1: hey what year was this this was
2: 2016,
1: 2016. 2016.
2: okay that's recent mm-hmm. yeah it was like four years ago Um I stand out moment for me I really love the first challenge not the I guess the second challenge the, the immunity challenge mm-hmm. Um I love, I love the idea that you could take shortcuts, but make it harder for you later on. Yeah. I thought that it provided a really nice like tension to the game. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. Like I was legitimately like sitting there, like, I don't know who's going to win. And mm-hmm. I, like it's, yeah, it was very
0: exciting. Yeah. Kind of like plays out differently than you would expect it to go to. Right. Or at least like what the, right. You know, you think like millennials, oh, they're going to take the shortcuts, but they take fewer and they win. Yeah. It's also I.
2: Like none of the individual parts of that challenge are particularly interesting, mm-hmm. like crawling under the net. They're crawling through a rope obstacle course. They're walking over a balance beam, but it's like the actual strategy and the, the puzzle. Yeah. The actual strategy of do we take the shortcut here? Or do we not take the shortcut here and deal with the puzzle later? Actually, like. Adds attention to the game that yeah. you just wouldn't get otherwise. So, yeah, yeah. I, I really like the challenge, even though none of the components are like particularly exciting or sure. interesting.
0: It like adds story to it too, yeah. right? It's like, okay, now there's a, it's not just a challenge. It's like the story of this challenge is the team that took the fewer shortcuts, you know, ended up winning. Right. Yeah, it's a good like storytelling move.
5: Scott, what was your favorite part of this episode?
3: Um, I don't. I I liked all of those things, but the other big thing that like this isn't necessarily my favorite part. But the thing that jumped out was just like the overarching generalization on like what generation you're in. Yeah. Uh huh. And like being like a millennial, I just was like sitting there like rolling my eyes at the start, like <laughs> oh participation trophies and all this stuff and that was like the like the I don't know I just always get super annoyed at those like yeah. what slump everybody into one thing kind of things but can yeah. we talk about Tiff trophies? of course it would what... because yeah. because as, as I remember
2: I was a child and an adult gave me one right <laughs> it wasn't my choice and I <laughs> reject getting blamed for it and who.
0: In, In what generation, generation are our parents? Oh, you know,
2: you can for that. Ronald, goddamn Reagan, okay? <laughs> we, we're like, you know what we should do? We should make the kids feel good and give them all participation trophies. So, you're welcome, Gen X.
1: This is what we did. My thoughts exactly. When we started this episode. He kept yeah. talking. You know, like, I so know. It's so frustrating. You must continue.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, and this is a great segue into it, is what are our thoughts on this theme? Uh, Just like immediately before we get deep into the season, like when you hear about, all right, Millennials versus Gen X, splitting up the tribes by age. Um, What do you think about like that format?
1: The survivor lead with the stereotypes or uh, do the participants?
0: I mean, I'm sure the participants are like. You know coached through this right of like yeah as a millennial I, this, you x how does that play into your survivor game
2: this is an interesting question is is survivor d- do the producers of survivor go out and they're like this is the theme of the seasons so we need to find people who match the theme or do they cast people and then are like oh you know what we could do
0: yeah oh it, i
1: meant do to the first
0: it's a really good question and i've heard like stories from um you know like yeah Production people on podcasts or like um, contestants who have talked in that or even like Jeff, like Jeff is kind of open about this sometimes, too, is that it's uh, it seems like sometimes it's one and sometimes it's the other. Gotcha. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is for this one, if um, if they have the people. And I, I think the way that like it seems Jeff describes it sometimes is like they have, you know, a percentage of the season like of the participants locked in. Right. And they're like, we definitely want these people. And then the, like the theme just like pops out to them. Right. It's like, whoa, we have already like this sort of thing, or like these people have this in common. Like, let's build a theme around that. Um, there is one, what I consider to be the best season of the thirties. There's this is uh, David versus Goliath, which is similarly like a very kind of silly sounding theme, like based on people's, I don't know, in this case, like, walk of life, but very ethereal and abstract. But there's one particular person that they, like, casted early on um, and that particular individual Jeff talks about, like, okay, this he, like, created the theme. Like, this guy is a David through and through. He's, like, underestimated, has to work really hard, but has been, like, successful despite overcoming that, right? And that's, like, what helped create that season. Mm -hmm. So, anyway.
5: A little, a little
2: of that. Um, yeah I don't know I I have a hard time separating so I mean like the survivor always does this where they have a theme and then they're like they, they lean into it so hard for like four or five episodes right? and then they like break away from the theme and it's like it's really just about the game right and I hate when they lean into that theme so hard yeah uh because what we've really done here is we've basically said okay everyone on this tribe is from the ages of 18 to i think 28 is like the oldest in this one Mm
0: -hmm. Um, something like that
2: and uh and the other tribe is i mean like 30 something to 50 something
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, i remember millennial ages i don't remember gen
0: x ages uh so uh the oldest millennial is 31 okay and the oldest the youngest Gen Xer is, I think, 37. Okay. And the oldest is sorry, the youngest is 33, um, and the oldest is 52.:
2: Okay. So, uh, this is the, so so this is really what it comes down to, I guess, is the question of, is the theme do, do we think that splitting them up into these two age brackets is interesting? Mm -hmm. because that's, like, it's not so much like about the stereotypes of millennials versus stereotypes of Gen X, because, like, to pretend that all all millennials are this way and all Gen X are this way is ridiculous. So, Mm -hmm. like, do we think that it'll make a difference that all of the young people and all the older people are together? And
5: I don't.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see what happens when they merge, though. I think that's when that idea gets interesting to see how people pair up
0: yeah and i think what you find with the way when they like um divide people with these like labels is that it does create more intrigue when merges come because it's like i don't know like an added i guess i'm trying to think of the right words It makes it so that when you see a millennial and a Gen X are now pair up, it's like, okay, they're putting their differences aside and like working together for the sake of their places in the game, right? Yeah. Instead of just like, oh, these two people from different tribes paired up, you know? I think also like, if you remember around this time, like the, at least in my world, like studies on different generations and stuff like that was a lot more like Pronounced or prevalent, you know, and so I think this really like tapped into, at the time, what something that was more talked about heavily, right? Which is like, yeah, millennials are like this, Gen Xers are like this, Gen Z is like this, right? Hmm. So at the one of the big things that happens here early on, at least from a game perspective, is Jessica getting that legacy advantage, um, and. It made me realize that we need to talk about advantages in this era. We have watched Kagiyon, which is the most recent season we've seen up until this point, season twenty-eight, in which idols are prevalent, but there's not really advantages. What are known as, as advantages, um, unless like I'm forgetting, you know, something crucial. But w- what we see in like the progression of Survivor, right, is there's like the immunity idol is created, and then there's like more and more idols like you see in Kagiyan, right there's like a good amount there's even some would say lots of idols right and now what we're in in the 30s is that plus these things called advantages (laughs) right which are these other kind of like um uh nebulous uh things strategic things that people can like find or earn in this case it's a legacy advantage Um, But as like the 30s progressed, these advantages get like more and more proliferated and more and more like kind of wild. One of them, you know, there's like your standard, like steal a vote from someone or like uh, steal someone's reward from a reward challenge all the way up to like literally. um, What's called some of these in, in the most recent seasons have gotten wild, like the 50 50 coin, which is a coin. That you play when you would play an idol, except you like walk it up to Jeff's podium and flip it, and if it lands on one side, you get an idol, and if it doesn't, then you don't.
1: Oh, gosh.
0: Or the safety without power advantage, which is a stupid name, and they could have done better, but it allows you to leave tribal council, and you don't get to vote, but you can't be voted for. You just go back to camp while everybody else votes. Hey, that's what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so what we're entering now um, in this like time in Survivor's life is where there is in an effort to like add more, I guess, like randomness or like good TV moments to the show. These kind of like. Extra advantages and stuff. And so this legacy advantages is is an example of that. Do we is, is
2: there has anyone like tried to measure the effect of, I mean, I'm sure someone has, but has anyone tried to, has anyone published like a measure of the effect of advantages and idols that it's actually had on the game? Because, well, from what we've seen so far, with the exception of uh, maybe Tony, and even then, I'm not sure that his idols had that big of an effect on the game. Mm-hmm. Idols haven't really done much. Mm -hmm. are there seasons where it's like it's completely shifted the actual tide of the game or does it just buy someone a little more time most of the time
0: yeah that's a good question i think that yeah like a well-played idol is is very um powerful and even like the threat we saw this with tony like the threat of having an idol Mm -hmm. keeps people from voting for you out of like that hesitation um But a lot of like this is, you know, pretty central to the discourse and like this time of survivor strategy is that a lot of advantages maybe actually function as disadvantages and that like it gives people a reason to target you without actually providing you that much of a, you know, a benefit. Hmm. There's even like in a a few seasons from now, like uh, somebody gets an advantage and there's a confessional where he's like, I looked at this. And I was like, this isn't an advantage, this is a disadvantage. <laughs>
4: um
0: so yeah, it's it's one of those things where like they create some randomness and like when they are played well or um like effectively then they like create a big shakeup and at the very least like create interesting TV. But um I think more than more often than not they swing and miss. So early on, at least, we spent a lot of time at the millennial camp um, before the immunity challenge and get at least um, a pretty decent view of a number of the players. Uh, I'm curious, are there any millennials from this first episode that really stick out to you um, that, like, jump out as interesting players to watch or somebody who you think may be well suited to perform well this season? Who who grabbed your attention for one reason or another?
1: Uh, I can answer that. I don't remember if it was this episode or the next one. So I apologize if I'm giving some not so spoiler spoilers. But the oldest person on the millennial tribe, um, don't remember his name. Zeke. Is that Zeke? He right. was like, yeah, he was the one wearing like the really colorful mm-hmm.
0: shirt. That's Zeke. Yeah. Mari's actually older than him, but. Oh, he he talks like he's the oldest one. Yeah,
1: that's talk like he's the oldest. Well, that's the perception I had. Yeah, but he was helping make camp, and he was just killing it. He's like, okay, I'm gonna just be a leader here, and mm-hmm. so he did, and he got a lot done, and he made fire, and he did all these things, and he was like, I'm really in my element. Like this is yeah. really working for me. I'm really making myself proud, and mm-hmm. that was cool.
0: Yeah, Zeke has a good first couple episodes. What about the rest of y'all? What millennials really grabbed your attention?
3: Um, I really liked um No well, yeah, go ahead, yeah. I was gonna say, um I think it's named Adam. Uh-huh. Um he kind of really seems to know this game a survivor. Um without like he kinda I feel like he kinda hung back, but also like if you pay attention to like either his like one-on-one interviews or just like him interacting with tribe members and stuff. Yeah. He really seems to know what's going on without playing like without jumping into the spotlight too early. So he's yeah. one I think to watch for.
0: Yeah, Adam's uh, Adam's confessionals are always really fun because he's so like enthusiastic. He's like Adam
1: in his confessionals always talks like this. I pointed that out and Adam was like, well, maybe he's just really close to the beach. I was like, nobody else is doing this. He's just very enthusiastic and he just really parks to the camera like this. Yeah, he's he on the
2: beach during cyclone season. Listen, it's just interesting, great it's
1: interesting that I'm not the only one who noticed it. Nothing wrong, you know?
2: Yeah, I noticed it. I just gave him the benefit of the doubt. Whatever. Um, <laughs> He's the one who calls Jeff probes. Probes, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna say Adam too, actually. I he seems like one of those guys who we're gonna see like just snippets of here and there and here and there, and then around episode nine, we're gonna realize that he like actually has a really good control of the game. Um I would also say uh to to add a, a third person in the mix, I guess. Um I find Jay really compelling, yeah. actually.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um Emily's looking at me like, "Who is that?" He's the uh, surfer bra, but a real estate agent. Not um, not
0: Taylor. Not the one in the showman's. The other right. one. Yeah.
2: Um, he's a real estate agent. I just like can't get over that. Like, I can't <laughs> imagine buying my house from that guy. <laughs> um, but he he comes across like kind of meatheady at the beginning, and I think uh, I don't know. I I think he just has like a sort of I'm going to put my head down and do work. Yeah, I'm gonna like pay attention to what's happening and like trust people who I think I can trust right away, but like not be completely like, oh, they're my ride or die, nothing else kind of thing. You know? Yeah. He seems like he has a good like. I'm gonna stick with people who work for me, and when they don't, I'm not. Mm -hmm. Which I, I I think is really important in the game. So yeah. So that'll be my my addition to the conversation. Although I agree with Scott, Adam looks really interesting.
0: Yeah, I in watching these first couple episodes, uh I think I'm I formalized why I love this season so much is and it's that this season does a great job of uh really giving us like full pictures or or fuller pictures of so many players in this season. And I feel like even in just two episodes, we get like a really good idea of who like a lot of these players are. Um mm-hmm. Even, yeah, even if they're like incomplete at this point, but like we learn a lot about, you know, those those three players that you mentioned, along with people like David and Ken um, and like, yeah, obviously Taylor and Figgy and even like a little Michaela, you know, uh, Paul. Yeah, like in that we get towards the end of the season and it's like pretty much everybody who makes it you know, like into the merge, it's like, okay, I feel like I know who these people are. There aren't really any or many like invisible people. And it feels like people's stories really like go somewhere too. You know, it's not just like the same note over and over again. Um, and I was like reminded of that even in these first couple episodes.
3: I feel like they do a really like a lot better job of like tell like presenting a story, like with these characters as characters. Yeah. Versus like we watch, like, we just watch like Amazon. Yeah. Like it's just so much like more in touch with like the people versus like, okay, these group of people are out here surviving. Totally. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah.
0: What about on the Gen X folks? Anybody um, that jumped out from this group as compelling for one reason or another?
2: I think Ken just seems like a good dude, like yeah, i mean he he seems like the wildest person on the planet. He's a model who apparently has been living off the grid for five years, right um but like that just makes me want to get to know him more.
0: I'm gonna go swim and catch an octopus
2: <laughs> um he he seems like a really interesting person, he doesn't yeah. seem very like uh in your face about anything i'll be curious if he can play the game the 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 kind of more cutthroaty part of the game well yeah but at the very least i mean he'll i think he's going to be good in challenges he will uh he'll navigate the social game well enough that he doesn't get like voted out really early Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of whether he can leverage his social capital to actually stay in the game long term
3: right i was kind of um he might be a little bit of a dark horse, but I think it seems, is, is it Chris?
0: Yeah. Chris is like the um, big dude who is holding down like Taylor and Jay in the first part of the challenge.
3: Yeah. He seems like a, like a kind of under the radar player, but like it seems like a, somebody who will be more of like a physical threat. Yeah. But like could potentially team up with some people and make some noise in the game. That's mm-hmm. so kind of like, I'm intrigued to see how he plays this season.
5: Yeah. Uh, I was also just going to say, Ken, he just seems different.
0: You kind of Matthew. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. I just say,
1: uh, maybe not in mannerism, but like, I know a lot of weird survival skills yeah. and I'm very different and calm and almost
2: like a more socially apt Matthew. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Who's like maybe less concerned about the strategy and more concerned with like the survival and like the social Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the like scene between Ken and David was interesting where it's like, you know, and they do good like cinematography with this, right? Where you have David and Ken talking about how like physically they're opposites but like they connect over feeling, you know, like awkward and like Ken talks about how he had like a speech impediment as a kid and like felt shy talking to people and David too is like uh you know very wrapped up in his own like paranoia and anxiety in this episode. And you have them like standing next to each other and David's like this twig and Ken's like a model, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, you know, they're like connecting over these things. I thought that was like a cool, cool storyline. Uh, I thought an interesting thing that the editing did too. Um, I assume this was intentional. I don't know if you picked up on it, but you, we had juxtaposed uh, the story of David who talks about feeling out of his element, like not being a survival person and you know that's coupled with him plugging his ears when people hit <laughs> branches with <laughs> knives uh and like being afraid of bugs and things like this and then we go straight to Zeke which we talked about a little bit already who also says like I'm from Brooklyn I don't camp whatever I'm here for the game just like David but he's yeah like making fire without flint you know and like leading the construction of the camp right so you have like these two like similar, but parallel, but in opposite directions, you know, stories of these two people of like, both are out of their element, one's thriving and the other one's really struggling. I don't know if you guys picked up on that and found that to be interesting or not.
5: To
4: um, be honest,
1: I didn't notice the exact, um, oh gosh, the word, juxtaposition escapes. Yes, juxtaposition. <laughs> But you're right. Like, yeah. I noticed it, but not like, I don't know. Yeah, sure. it's just interesting. They have very opposite. It overtly yeah, very they just juxtaposed. Yeah, my brain stopped working, apparently. <laughs> you're right. That's very interesting. They have very opposite reactions to what's happening. Mm-hmm. Scott, I think I cut you off. What?
5: <laughs> Maybe
3: not. Maybe not. Sorry. Were, you, were you about to say something, Scott? <laughs> I was not. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. never mind just want to make sure everyone got their turn i'm surprised we haven't really talked nope. about david yet david i think from um, like screen time uh breakdown is probably the star of this first episode um we haven't really talked about it yet what are your your guys's takes on this first episode for david
2: i just don't i don't see him as a threat or a player in this game mm-hmm. like it's we like, I know, I know what you're saying about like the screen time, right? He's heavily
0: featured if nothing else. Yeah.
2: Definitely is heavily featured. And he's kind of the, like the main character, even more so than the person who gets voted out.
0: Oh, by a long shot. We haven't even talked about Rachel. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And and, like, (laughs) I don't understand why, because I don't see, I don't see David as a physical threat. Like he's clearly never going to be that. Right. Um, I guess he could be a mental threat, but also like he wasn't good at the puzzles. So like, Maybe maybe it's like, you know, first challenge jitters and he'll turn around and be great at that, but, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. He seems so paranoid. I just can't see him being good at the social game. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: He seems like someone that if he's not voted out early, he's only in the game because everyone is like, yeah, we can get rid of him whenever we want. Sure. So why waste our time with him now? Mm -hmm. It's so weird to me that he has so much screen time. I genuinely don't understand it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, if nothing else, right, he, like, gives good confessionals and is, like, yeah. a quirky, He is like, person. narrator of the game. Yeah.
4: I'll give him that.
0: I really liked, um, this scene cracks me up <laughs> when, um, he, like, kind of ambushes Chris and Brett who are, like, uh, you know, like, building stuff, and we talked about how, like, Brett's Hitting the bamboo with his machete and David's like, oh, God, and like plugging his ears. <laughs> I find that to be hilarious. And then he like thinks that he sees Paul and Ken with an idol and yeah. he like freaks out. But then he he leaves and he, he says this to them, which I find to be hilarious. I trust you. OK, I trust you. <laughs> he Like <laughs> stares them down. I trust you. I trust you. <laughs> Chill out, buddy.
2: Uh, it's like the weirdest like attempt at an alliance I've ever
3: seen in my life. Yeah, it's pretty funny. They were like, uh, uh "Okay." Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
3: Uh, uh, I was just annoyed because he went and like, like ten minutes later was like out searching for an idol, like in very plain like sight line, like mm-hmm. everybody could see him doing it.
2: Yeah. That's why I don't get it. Like, he doesn't seem like a good player in any way, shape or form. Like, why is he so heavily featured beyond being like kind of the
3: entertaining one? Yeah. Uh, he's like, he's like trying to play so hard so early, but he's so bad at it. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, he's legitimately he it's a lot like. Um, it's a lot like Tony when Tony starts going crazy. Yeah. But it's just like you never get like stable Tony who's kind of like playing the game, figuring out his alliance and then making his moves. It's more just like crazy manic playing.
0: Yeah. Without like the the like confidence that Tony carries himself Mm -hmm. with too. you know, that like makes you feel like, oh, he knows what he's doing.
5: Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, We talked a lot about the Cyclone. Um, I think we're covered there unless you guys have other thoughts. Feel free to jump in. Uh, we talked about the immunity challenge a lot, too. I think we're covered there too. Anything else from that that we need to talk through
5: we're We're shaking our heads, no.
0: I believe you <laughs> so I think the like the last part of this episode right is like post challenge gen x camp um where David like feels the heat uh idle suspicion. he goes and talks to Jessica specifically about that. Um, and then we also get, like, Rachel at the camp, who is, you know, mostly hanging out with Cece, who is also on the outs. Um, what did you guys think was going to happen going into this tribal based on what we saw ahead of time? And, like, what do you think that David may have done to get himself off the target? And what do you think Rachel could have done differently, you know, to get the target off of her? Yeah, just like, what what was your your reaction and take on, on this whole portion.
3: I didn't think that CC was like legitimately going to get votes. I didn't, I always thought, I just thought it was like David versus Rachel. Yeah. CC got one vote, right? I don't know if anybody else picked up on that. Um, what'd you say?
0: I think CC got one vote, right? CC got three votes. Sorry.
2: Yeah. I was going to say it was a near even split. David Um, got the one vote. Yeah. So, so this is actually, I I genuinely don't understand this, like move. Like th- there was a moment where we saw Rachel as not really fitting in with the tribe too much when it's at, at, like she was talking a lot to somebody, um, and you could kind of see people were like visibly annoyed or whatever. Yeah, and she doesn't do well in the challenge, but like beyond that it doesn't seem like she's really the villain that everyone kind of makes her out to be in this, in this moment. Um,
5: which, and Alex, you and I were kind of talking about this, but like,
2: she's a person of color and CC CC is too. Isn't She like, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. So like two of the people who get, and then there's David. Mm Hmm. So like the votes are pretty much evenly split between two people of color and David, and then one person of color leaves. It's Mm -hmm. like and and I don't I don't think that like the people on the show are racist. Like I'm not saying it's like an overt racism, but I think there's like an implicit bias here that we're I don't know. This is something that's been kind of like on Emily and I's minds, especially in the current climate, but also like last season, the first two people voted out were people of color. Yeah. Again. And I think I don't know, I, I think we would be remiss to talk about this subject without talking about this specifically too. <laughs> no,
0: that's good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for, for mentioning it. This is like a an unfortunate reality of like Survivor, right? In that um there is like certainly implicit bias and like um probably in some cases, whether it makes error or not like real racism among the players who, you know, take place in this. But at the very minimum, there's like you know, the form of racism that like we all have to be aware of in ourselves, which is the like the stuff that we're actually like not aware of and the way that we like view people differently or like connect with people, you know, more that look more like us or come from similar backgrounds. Right. And so, yeah, like that's a sad reality. And I think that like now, especially like you mentioned in the climate that we're in, like people who love and care about the show are like increasingly aware of. Right. Um <clears throat> And it doesn't like erase, you know, like the potentially bad history throughout the history of the show of this. But I like today signed a petition that like was going around Survivor Twitter about like, um, yeah, like anti-racism um, steps that like production should take as far as like casting goes, you know, like casting um, people of color at a higher percentage, like um, giving them more fleshed out uh nuanced edits, right? Um more appropriately and like um yeah like hiring more people of color on production, you know, doing like heavy anti-racism like training and screening for people that will be on the show to make sure that they don't cast racist people on the show,
2: right? Um, Well and and even like I, I would say going into the editing portion of this too where they're yeah. not editing people in a way that makes like the lone african american woman on the tribe look like the angry black woman yeah, and for sure.
4: yeah.
2: you know things like which kind of happens i think in episode two yeah. it doesn't kind it does happen in episode yeah. two uh-huh. but like yeah they're they're just i don't know there's like there's so much white privilege that happens in this where it's like i don't have to see any of these things until someone has told me about them right. And now that like we're looking at raw numbers and data of these sorts of things, it doesn't look great.
0: No, it is like it is real. Right. And I don't think anybody can dispute that, that like um, white people disproportionately not only are on Survivor, but like do better at Survivor and that people of color disproportionately um, do not just like don't win. right? Right. But are like voted out very early. And we can talk forever about why that may be right about like, you know, some of these things we mentioned about, like, especially early on, you're looking for just about any reason to vote somebody out. And whether you realize it or not, maybe it's because they're like a person of color. Right. Um. So, yeah, it is like it's it's important to mention um, it is like there.
1: Yeah, I was very disappointed by that. Um, I also will mention, even in our, like, you know, can't hide from the facts here, even when we were doing our Survivor Fantasy um, picks, yeah, we didn't pick those two people. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's, it's very ingrained and just disappointing. Uh, yeah. Send me that petition. And yes. also, I'm very upset because I don't, for all of these reasons... And I do not understand why Cece was on the chopping block. They gave no context yeah. for it. Right. We didn't follow her at all. We didn't hear a peep from her. Right. And then half of the tribe voted for her. Yeah. Do you, like, I have no idea why that happened. And that was really annoying to me. Yeah.
0: For at least from like, at least a, a strategy perspective and like what we get. Um, it seems to be that the like overall majority is splitting votes between Rachel and CC, just in case there's like an idol at play. Um, and that, like, it's those two because Rachel's the target and CC's like, aligned with her. So, like, that's another safe person to put votes on.
2: But, like, you were also voting on David. And I don't understand why you have to split it between these three people. Sure.
0: Yeah, the and one that's... vote on David is from Cece. And then the, there's one vote on Sunday, which is from Rachel. So okay. they're, like, very clearly out of the plan. They
1: <laughs> yeah. didn't even vote together
0: yeah no they', didn't. No. they and like I think that's also you know like everything that we've been saying is like definitely real and relevant, right, but I think it may also be an indication of maybe their um like specifically for these two people like um, lack of uh i don't want to say skill, but like that you know this shows that they didn't like know what was going on, right, like that they weren't able to get information from at least one person to find out like okay the votes are on like you know in Cece's case like okay they're being split so i need to put mine on rachel right or vice versa so
2: right which i i would argue probably has more to do with the other people not talking and trusting them than has to do with their ability to actually play the game yeah which and yeah
5: yeah
0: just so, doesn't
2: look great
0: <laughs> I know and unfortunately like this will be a thing that like especially now that we're tuned into it like we we will notice you know with increasing um, I don't know uh, what's the word I'm looking for well we will notice it more right um, and yeah it's like a, a flaw of the show for sure um, but yeah hopefully I, I, I like when Adam and I talked about this yesterday, like we talked about this, where now like some of these conversations are not only happening like outside of the show, like people commenting on it, but like they've made their way into the show in like uh, hopefully what's set to be like a important way. Right. In the last few seasons, especially there's been like active talks about like, um, you know, like racism or like at least bias uh, regarding race on the show there's been like active talks about like sexism or like the way that gender biases take root in the game. Um, in like such a way that, you know, it's, this shouldn't be like applauded for the show, right? Because they should include this, but they could also choose like to just not include this in the show. Right. Um, but they do, which they should. And hopefully like that tunes us into at least like CBS and survivors. Awareness that like there is work to be done in this realm for the show, you know? Mm. We all have work to do indeed. Yeah. I will. Um, I'll link to that petition um, in the show notes too. If any listeners um, are interested in signing that. Um, yeah. It, there's lots of like good points that are laid out and actually like n- that. We're talking about this too. Zeke um, is, has become like a really important voice in like the survivor community. Um, and like advocating for things like this, too. He has like a really good um, Twitter thread that he put out recently um, that is similar to that petition. Right. It's like here's a, like a number of very actionable steps that CBS could do as far as like better representing people of color. So um, you should follow Zeke on on Twitter as well. Anything else? I don't want to like cut this conversation short. I'm sure we'll continue to have it um in some way shape or form um before we wrap up the show.
2: I I can see why this is a highly rated season already, I think. Sure. There there are a lot of strategic players involved and it there is like a lot of drama that is set to mm-hmm. take place mm-hmm. already. Mhm. I yeah this just from the outset looks like a good one like Amazon we didn't like at first yeah it took a long time for us to get into like what makes why Amazon is rated highly at all sure even if we think it's too highly Um, but this one like from the get go it's like yeah no I get it
3: yeah yeah it seems like there's like a bunch of really good players already that Mm -hmm. I'm excited to watch throughout this whole season
0: yeah and I think like I said this already, but like the way that the the player's stories really develop too, you know, with like some key exceptions like I think is really good, just like storytelling in general, so that yeah excited for us to get through all that. Hey, let's wrap up the show. We have not had our draft special yet, so we uh, it's not time to get into Fantasy Outwatch, but we can still award our episode MVPs, our Outwatch MVPs for this episode, in which we will each pick an MVP for which player we think had the strongest showing here in episode one. Um, Scott, would you like to do the honors and reward your first MVP
3: point of the season? Oh, man, this is tough because there's so many people.
0: There are 20 whole people. Uh,
3: (laughs) There are so many people to choose from. Um, I didn't mention him, but I know like Emily and Adam both did, but I thought Zeke had a really good episode. Yeah. So I'll give it to Zeke because he really got after it, like out of his comfort zone, didn't get voted out. And I think that it says something. So great pick Zeke. Point
0: for Zeke. Uh, Adam, who gets your MVP point?
5: Um, uh, this is a hard one. Uh,
2: I think I'm going to go with Ken, actually. Okay. I think he set himself up to kind of be the provider, the the person you go to talk to when you need something. Um, I, I think he's in a good social position. I don't know if he can capitalize, but at the very least, he set himself up very well. yeah Yeah, episode one it's a good pick
0: emily what are you thinking
1: uh i'm gonna have to stick with zeke yeah i think he had a good episode i can't think of anyone else who i think has more that they showed on this episode
0: yeah zeke's a great great survivor even early on we get to see it great on camera great on confessional definitely knows the game um i'm gonna give my mvp point to Jessica. Um, Mm. on the Gen X tribe Jessica finds a legacy advantage um, which you know isn't much use to her right now Um, but I think maybe even more crucially I think the scene where like she's the one that David comes to as like the representative of the majority group and to kind of like pitch his case to stay and the way that she like handles that is like being very um, like transparent but also like gracious I think um, was a really good look for her And I think shows that she can play the social games and and is also in a good um, strategic place. So I'll give a point to Jessica. Anything else from this episode before we wrap things up? Wrap it up. I didn't give a participation trophy. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, And maybe instead of MVP points this year, we give participation. Oh my gosh, it's so good.
3: Yes. (laughs) That should be our reward for fantasy yeah. this year. <laughs> <laughs> for
4: I mean, that's got that's the Every, clubhouse winner.
3: A one. Yeah. Yes. Yes. gets a participation trophy.
5: <laughs>
4: that's a great
0: idea. Everybody should get a participation trophy. Oh, good stuff. Well, thanks for listening to the first episode of OutWatch Season Four, in which we cover Millennials versus Gen X. Make sure to subscribe to the channel so you don't miss an episode. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, And like I mentioned early on, um, if you're interested, uh, check out listener support. We'd love to have your support um, financially so that we can continue to make the show and pay for our CBS All Access. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Outwatch Podcast. And also, you can find all of our episodes of the podcast for both this podcast as well as Dungeon Arcade and other members of the Megabed Media family on YouTube at Megabed Media if you prefer to intake your podcast experience through YouTube. Thank you for listening. Next time on Outwatch, we will be dissecting episode two of Millennials vs. Gen X titled Love Goggles. We'll see you then.